This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in, grab a bucket, and have a seat. We are talking ice fishing. Welcome to Season 5 of Shack Talk Podcast. Kyle Agri here with Anthony Kleinwachter. We are your hosts, and we are... Oh, we are excited to be back here in the seat talking ice fishing as we approach the 2020-2021 ice fishing season. And thank you to all of our, our followers, our listeners, those of you who, who track us through the podcast, who listen in to our conversations, who, who suggest, who comment, who, who, who uh, look forward as much as we do to our, our expert guests we have on the podcast each and every episode. Anthony, it's great to be back. Great to see you. How's it been? It's been kind of crazy. I'm not going to lie. Ever since we stopped recording podcasts back in uh, February and March, uh, the world kind of went and got a little crazy on us. And I'm sure you can attest that the summer has been kind of nuts. And, you know, I'm really just looking forward to getting back on the ice getting away from people and enjoying the the sport that we love and love to talk about. And like you said, have some guests on, talk about ice fishing and maybe just get back to a little bit more normal. Get back to a little bit more normal. I don't even know what that is anymore, Anthony, but I'm all for it. I'm on board. And, uh, and, and I think we all need that right now. Yeah, we've definitely seen over the past six to eight months, you know, people, really just getting getting outside enjoying the outdoors finding those passions and hobbies and you know really capitalizing on that we've seen a huge increase in participation in angling and outdoors and hunting and i really think that's going to just snowball into ice fishing i mean i think that there's going to be a lot of new people you know jumping into the sport or maybe people returning that hadn't ice fished in a, in a while that are going to be looking for things to do i mean the nice thing about the sports and the passions that we have is we can do it distantly and, you know, and you don't have to be around people. And, you know, it's just the nice thing about being outdoors, being in ice fishing and hunting and having those passions is, you know, we still get to do it. Nobody can shut that down from us. So, I mean, that's the nice thing about everything that's going on. You know, Anthony, when I think back to last year and how the season ended, the ice season, I'm talking about how that season ended and, and it was kind of the beginning of the pandemic and, and all of us in our minds, I think we're, we're not really sure what, what this was going to play out like, right? And and quite honestly, I still still I think we don't know how it's going to all play out in the end. But we've got a we've got a few months of experience under our belt anyway. But I think about last season at the end, late ice, and and I made it out quite a few different times, quite a few different outings. Most of them were were local, if you will, within an hour's drive of my home, so I could drive out, fish for the day, come back, and and not have to interact with a lot of folks. I think we're going to see a lot of that at early ice and, and the first part of this season too. And ice fishing is one of those sports. You you alluded to it. It's one of those sports where we can, well, I've seen this, you've seen this. Uh, it's been used by by Eskimo on their social media to uh, to distance socially. Check that out. If if you're, you're a social media person, uh, look for that hashtag distance socially because ice fishing is one of those sports. And I did it a number of times into the last season. I'm sure you did too, Anthony, is... You go out and you can go out with a buddy or two, right? But you drive separate trucks. Yeah, you, you take your old ATV or your sled or whatever it is. Each guy has their own. You, you bring your own pop-up. You can set up within a, a distance where you can still have a conversation, get some laughs, have a good time, but you're not right there in each other's personal space. So you can still enjoy it, but yet do it in a safe way. Yeah, I think that's the key is, you know, encouraging people to, if you, you know, are going out by yourself, maybe meet up with somebody out on the lake. Or if you're going as your family, you know, you guys, everyone in their own family is being careful and doing what they need to do to stay safe. And if you can do it, you know, out on the ice in an ice shack or have a, you know, a quick fish fishing outing, like you said, as you're driving to a lake that's within driving distance, you don't have to make any stops, especially if things continue to to progress the way things are kind of exploding again, if they start doing those shutdowns, I mean, it's going to be, we're having to take those extra precautions. And like you said, we'll have to stay a little closer to home, but nobody's going to stop me from going ice fishing, hopefully. Exactly. And I think a lot of our, our followers and listeners, Anthony, are thinking the same exact thing, right? And, and I've talked to a lot. You have too. Hunting season was the same way. Same thing, open water fishing, right? 
folks could go out in their boat. They could they could have a conversation across the water with someone in another boat, but uh, they could still do it safely and 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 still enjoy the outdoors. I think really in the, through this whole thing, the outdoors have been one of the big silver linings, right? Folks have been able to get out and enjoy and and take advantage of what it has to offer. Like you said, we've seen an influx of new people because, quite frankly, you're you're not out at a sporting event, you're not at a concert, you're not at a at a music festival. What are we doing? Well, we're we're looking at those options and saying that sounds pretty cool. Those guys over there, Anthony, he's having a great time out on the ice, out on the water, or up in the deer stand. Congrats, by the way, on a beautiful buck that you harvested here a short while ago. But that's yeah, what it's about. Fortunate. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And being able to get out and have fun, you know, enjoy your hobbies. You know, I'm I'm really excited to introduce more people to the sport. Um, you know, try and help them out, give them pointers, you know, as much as I can passing on that knowledge that I have to new people that are in the sport because it is addicting. And I'm hoping that with all these people, you know, joining the sport that, you know, we, we hook them for a lifetime and they really enjoy that sport. It's not just a a fad that they're doing because of everything else is shut down, but that they really find an enjoyment and a passion and being outdoors and being in fishing, and maybe we can find a little resurgent. I mean, over the years, it seems like fishing and hunting and some of those things have kind of steadily declined, but you know, maybe this is what it needed to kick things back into gear and get more people out there and, and enjoy and share in the sport that we love so much. Well, Anthony, I, I mean, if, if we're going to be totally honest, I think there's, there's a group within the outdoor sport right? That would rather say, I don't want any new people coming into this sport. I'd rather have it all to myself. I know you don't think that way. I certainly don't. Just seeing new individuals learn, right? Seeing seeing them learn that new sport and all the nuances that go along with it, seeing them learn how much fun it can be to find success and, and being the one maybe to introduce them to some of those new tips and tricks or some of those new locations and just watch their passion blossom. I'd much rather do that. Than, than think about um, trying to exclude those folks. So, you know, I just, for what it's worth, that's that that I think is is really the direction where I hope people are headed is, is to really enjoy, like you, that the sport that we love as well. And hey, if you are new to ice fishing, if you're new to Shack Talk podcast, um, this is season five. We're just kicking off season five. We've got four years prior. Their episodes of each of those seasons are available on SoundCloud. They're available on Apple Podcast. And you can go on out and and listen to those. Um, We have had just some spectacular guests over the years, Anthony. And and we've got a great lineup as we look at this year with what we've got in store for season five. We've got a great guest lineup. And I think uh, we've got a great format for this season. Yeah. Similar to years past, we've got, you know, a group of ice heads that are just as passionate about ice fishing as anyone out there. I mean, everyone that we're going to be having on the podcast that we have lined up already um, and hoping to get some more people as well. You know, that's what their that's what their passion is about. I mean, ice fishing, whether it's talking about gear or a destination or fishing, you know, cooking or any type of topic like that. That's what they're passionate about. And we really try to pick those people that, you know, it might be a little bit you know, the experts of the forte that they really are are really passionate about. And we try to get them on and and really pick their brains because I'll be honest, I'm sure you're no different. Like I'm a little, uh, little selfish. I want to get that information too. I'm always trying to learn. So, I mean, when we're tracking down these guests, we're trying to find people that, you know, have that information that we can kind of pick their brain, share with you and maybe pick off a tip or two ourselves. Boy, you're spot on with that because I learn as much from our guests as our listeners do. I, I hope everybody is able to, to listen to the podcast and the folks we bring on and, and take away little, just little tidbits, right? Because it's truly to be a better angler, to be a better ice angler. Um, some of some of the new folks new to the sport, uh, I think this is important to know. You, you don't have to learn it all at once, right? You, you grow over time. You grow over experience on the ice, but picking just little nuggets from those experts those people who've been there and done that. If you can retain just one or two little pieces out of each one of those, you're going to, you're going to grow and jump by leaps and bounds. 
Yeah, we hope that for every episode, we can, you know, pick off a couple of things for every listener. Similar to last season, we're going to be talking about gear and destinations, cooking tips, um, you know, presentations. And then new for this season, we're going to feature a fish species. So we've got 10 episodes lined up. We're going to try and target 10 different species, one for each episode, and, and really take a deep dive into that species. Talk biology, talk locations, talk presentations, you know. So we're really hoping that that'll kind of maybe key in people to specific episodes if that's what they're really passionate about if it's bluegills or crappies or walleyes or pike um, so that'll be new for this season i'm really looking forward to that to, to really talk to some people that are really passionate about a specific species and then again similar to last season um, we had our third segment last year that was why do you ice fish and that was a really popular topic i really enjoyed talking to all those people hearing the stories and we wanted to do something similar but with everything going on, we had to kind of change things up a little bit. So our, our third segment will be called social distancing. So we're going to be making sure that we're, you know, being safe and, and doing all of the passions that we love outdoors, but doing it safely, um, but talking to people on why they enjoy fishing and, and how that's maybe helped them through, you know, this crazy year we've had and being able to get outdoors and what they're looking forward to this ice fishing season. And as we get into the season, hopefully talking to some people that have been out ice fishing and, you know, the fun that they've had and sharing some of those experiences with us. It is going to be a fantastic season, Anthony. And and I'm looking forward to all of those segments, all of, all of those guests and all of those experts we're going to have on it's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. And I'm I'm looking forward to just talking ice fishing. There's, where we are right now, there's not ice quite yet. I mean, some of the sloughs are frozen over, but our lakes, our fishable lakes are, are not quite there yet. And so uh, looking forward to talking ice fishing until we can get out and do it. And then we'll we'll share how much fun it's been. Yeah, I was really excited. I mean, we had some crazy weather this year. It got really cold at the end of October. And for a while there, I was like, man, we're going to be ice fishing really early this year. But now Mother Nature, like she always does, she kind of throws a curveball and warms back up. Uh, you know, so we're probably looking at, you know, two, three weeks for most people, um, hopefully early December when we can get out on the ice. But I'm as anxious as you are. I Like you said, I got my big bucks. So I'm, I'm kind of done hunting for now. I, I'd probably get out a little bit more, but the, the tensions turn to ice fishing that's for sure i'll be prepping gear getting things ready um you know got some new toys for this year that i'm looking forward to so that's really kind of my focus from here on out and i'm really excited to talk to you and talk to our guests and you know really kind of just hit the ground running as we start rolling with the podcast it's gonna be a blast and speaking of early and first ice anthony uh you and i had a chance last late spring and early summer to to talk to a couple of guys and and at the at that time, obviously, ice was kind of in our rearview mirror, right? It was it was something we were kind of putting to bed for a couple of months until we could get to where we are right now. But these two individuals reached out to uh, to our our podcast sponsor, Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear, and they they had experiences that they both individually separate scenarios had had gone through this last ice season. They took some time with us to sit down and record a segment, an interview for them to share a little bit about what happened to them. Yeah, with ice safety in mind, um, that's going to be key as we get rolling into the season. And the interview that we had with uh, these two gentlemen, you know, it really opens your eyes to how you always have to be safe out on the ice. Um, anything can happen. You know, no ice is safe ice. We always preach that, um, whether it's beginning of the season, middle of the season or the end of the season. Um, you always have to be careful. And there's, you know, so many steps that you can take to be safe. You know, make sure to follow the safety precautions. I know we had an entire segment last season talking about ice safety, and I'm sure we'll touch on it some more throughout these first couple episodes, but we just want to make sure that everybody's safe. Um, there's no reason to go out there and risk anything to try and get after these fish. We got a long season ahead of us, and we want it to be a safe season for everyone. Uh, so we, we really look forward to, you know, sharing those safety tips and sharing these uh, experiences that we had that we've recorded with these gentlemen. Yep, and we're going to do that this first uh, first episode here, Anthony. We are going to uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to wrap this first segment up right now, but we're going to come back and um, we're going to we're going to include in the next segment at one of these interviews uh, an interview with Tyler Hansen, and, and Tyler tells about an experience with he and his son and how they had the unfortunate happen. Tyler went into the water. He he went in. You know what? I, I'm I'm not going to go any further. We're gonna we're gonna listen to what he has to say because it's good stuff. 
Uh, and then we're going to be back. We're going to be back for segment three, our first social distancing segment. And uh, we're going to do some more ice, ice fishing talk after that. So folks, uh, we'll be back right after a quick break here. Welcome back to this segment of Shack Talk. Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter here. And, you know, folks, every single season, Anthony and I talk about the importance of ice safety. You know, and, and it's just a theme that really is so important to all of us who venture out onto the ice. And and certainly when you uh, when you look at the weather conditions, the, the, the time of year when we're out there, it's a, it's a, it's a safety concern for so many different reasons. And we are... Uh, we're looking forward to this segment because we have a guest on here who I think is going to give us all a whole new perspective on the importance of ice safety, the importance of giving consideration to every step you set on the ice. We have Mr. Tyler Hansen, and Tyler is from Vermont, uh, an East Coast ice angler out there, and, and he had quite an experience here this past ice season that we wanted to give him the opportunity to share with all of the listeners of Shack Talk. And I think it's important too, not only to listen to his story, but how we can utilize the gear that we have today. Things are definitely changing across the ice fishing scene as far as the safety equipment that we have available. And just keying in on one of those pieces of equipment that I think should be in everybody's arsenal. You're exactly right. And and without further ado, Tyler, um, great to have you on Shack Talk. Thanks for having me. So Tyler, tell us really a little. Appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about yourself here uh, before we we share with the listeners um, what happened on February 9th of last year. Um, Tyler, just to, as far as yourself, you're you're a nice angler. You live out in Vermont. Just just share with us a little bit about your history in in the sport of ice fishing. I've been ice fishing since I was a little kid. My dad took me out uh, years ago in an old wooden shanty, and we had a lot of good times. Um, always been. Uh, into fishing, my we, we fish everywhere. I fish Great Lakes. I fish everywhere, everywhere you can think of. I I, I just love the sport, and um, I I'm passing that knowledge down to my kids, and it's just something that I absolutely love. Isn't that awesome? Being um, able to share those passions with your your children and and your friends or other family members that's something pretty special. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So so Tyler, you you've. Um, you shared just a little bit of an introduction with Anthony and I uh, prior to uh, going here in, into the podcast recording, and um, we're both very anxious to hear about about the day that uh, you mentioned, uh, February 9th, and that was actually of 2020. Um, tell us a little bit about the day leading up to when you went out on the ice. So the, the, the day before. Yeah, exactly. So... I was pretty excited to uh, enter this local fishing tournament. It's a, um, uh, it, it's like a fundraiser for a local fire department. <clears throat> so I got all my gear ready, um, loaded up all my equipment, got my food ready, you know, <clears throat> and just was looking forward to a great day of fishing with me and my son. Um, I, you know, had all everything ready to go. I was just so excited to go. Had all the warm clothes and everything ready to go and laid out for the morning. And and that was pretty much it leading up to it. And what was the weather like, um, ice conditions, those types of things for you guys that were heading out? Was it kind of normal for this time of year? It was, um, it, it seemed fairly normal. Um, we had ice ranging from six to 10 inches and then this particular body of water. Um, the conditions were very cold. Um, they were, it was cold the night before and it was in, it was about zero degrees that morning, um, of the, the day that this incident happened, but it was, it was getting cold and it definitely looked like it was going to be a very cold day. You know, the interesting thing is you would think, uh, by the time we reach February, by the time we have uh, weather of, of the way you're describing Tyler, that, um, that conditions out on the ice would be very safe and we wouldn't even need to be having a conversation about safety, but that certainly was not the case. Tell us a little bit about once you got to the lake and, and what happened from there on. So I got to the lake. I had all my, you know, my jet sled, my shanty pop-up shanty and everything. I unloaded it from the car and walked out on the ice. And I always 
check the ice. I get out just far enough so I know my auger won't bottom out into the rocks, and I check the ice condition, and I saw that it had eight inches. And I went out a little bit further, and I checked one more time, and it, it continued on. So I just went out, and I started setting up my shanty, getting my heater lit. I got my son set up with a jig pole. I drilled him a hole, and he was just happy jigging. Um, that was pretty much how it all started that day. You know, I just started setting up all my gear and finding the best locations for my tip-ups and stuff. So as um, – yeah, and, and, and that's a – I think that's a normal experience for a lot of us as we head out on the ice, right? We would think, uh, you know, eight inches of ice is, is uh, in most cases, good and, and secure and safe. And so we would proceed and, and kind of go about our day, right? But it, it wasn't uh, necessarily a normal scenario from there on out. Not at all. So um, I had all my tip-ups in, and it was quite a, quite a few hours before we actually got a flag. Um, a typical derby day, you know, slow fishing, a lot of noise. But where we were, we were a lot, we were further away from people. So, I mean, we caught a couple of perch here and there and it, it was great. And then, um, one of my far tip ups went off. So I started running over my son in tow. He come running over with me and, and I hook it and I knew it was a good fish for this particular body of water. And I, I hand him the hook and, and the line and he starts reeling in the fish and fighting it. It went on for a good five, 10 minutes and he pulled it up with a nice seven and seven pound nine ounce pike. So I was excited because I knew that was going to be a derby fish. So I get everything set up and I, um, I pull the fish out. We get it all, you know, get the tip ups all set back up. And then I bring them over to the shanty and I wait a few minutes, you know, to kind of calm down. And then I decided, Hey, maybe I really need to go weigh this fish in now. So I had, I went out and I took all my tip-ups down because you need to be within a certain distance of them or you can't have them in the water. So I pulled all my tip-ups out of the water and I grabbed the fish. I told my son, I said, just stay, stay behind me a bit. You know, I, I, he was so excited. He wanted to be right next to me and talk about his fish. And I said, stay right behind me, stay, you know, five, 10 feet behind me. And, um, not real familiar with this body of water. But I know, I know that ice conditions are good and stuff, but I still like to be cautious. And I kept, we were walking over to the weigh station and I was walking for probably 300 yards and I fell through the ice and I panicked. I was so scared because I, I didn't know what to do. I, I knew my son was right behind me. So I had the fish in my hand. I never dropped the fish. I turned around. My son was right there. I kept telling him just to get back, get back. Don't get any closer. And he was scared. He wanted to help me. And I said, just please get back. So I picked the fish up. I tossed him on the ice. And I never knew this at the time, but I never went fully in the water. I stopped about midway high to my chest. I never went fully in. And I was able to grab the side of the ice. And because of what I was wearing, it was, it, it seems so much simpler to get out of the ice. I've been through before, not to this degree, but I put my hands on the ice and I laid flat and I just kicked my way onto the ice. And then I rolled my way off the ice and I just, I couldn't believe how much easier it was and how much better it was with the bibs I was wearing. I couldn't believe it. Well, what an what an experience, uh, Tyler. All I can say is just wow. Number one, we can we can you know kind of take a lighthearted approach to it after the fact here and say congratulations for saving your fish. But the the real the real part of this is the seriousness of of going through the ice. Do you have any idea how deep the water was where you went through? I went there actually after ice out. I went there and actually checked the depth. It was thirty seven feet of water. Wow. There was no way for me to touch bottom. No way at I never, all. I, no way at all. I never touched bottom. I never felt anything other than just being wet and, and and scared, frankly. And both you were able to get out as you described. Your son was able to uh, get away from that, that area where it was. Uh, did you ever find out, was it a crack? Was it just a, a, an area of thin ice or, or were you able to tell? Well, there was four-wheeler tracks running over this area. Um, thinking it should be a fine area to go through. I mean, four-wheelers are going over it, you know? 
Um, there's four wheeler tracks all along this area. And I, I don't know how they didn't go through. Uh, maybe they were going fast enough so that they didn't, but I went right through. I couldn't believe it. And I think that's a scenario that as ice anglers, a lot of us find ourselves in that scenario. Like you see other people out there, you make that assumption that it's safe or you see tracks or different things. And I mean, I, I would probably feel no different than you were walking across that ice, but you know, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, the focus of kind of why we wanted to get you on was to talk a little bit about, you know, what you were wearing. You made a comment that, you know, with the gear that you had on and the bibs that you had on, that was one of the keys to help get you out of the water. So tell us a little bit more about what bibs you were wearing. I was wearing um, Eskimo, um, I believe they are called Uplift, Eskimo Uplift bibs. Um, they have, they're absolutely warm. And I was so excited to have a nice pair of warm bibs for ice fishing. Anyway, um, I was wearing these bibs and I honestly didn't, think too much about the uplift system. I'm not saying I didn't think it was a good idea. I just think that it was, I'm like, you know, I usually try to be safe, but you never know. So I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about these. And it made me feel safer when I was wearing them. Cause I'm like, yeah, I should, you know, if anything does happen, I'll, I should be okay. Um, I had my phone in the pocket, the zipper pocket. Um, I had my keys and everything in there. And I, when I got out of the ice and got to a safe area, I pulled my phone out and it was dry. I couldn't believe it. Another thing I noticed was I wasn't completely soaked. I was wet, but I wasn't completely soaked. And um, these bibs are so warm that even though I went through the ice, I went back to my shanty and got my, you know, my jacket off and got that dried up. And I continued to fish after. And then I also brought the fish in to weigh in for Derby. And unfortunately, I placed fourth. But... I couldn't believe the bibs, how warm they were, even though they were wet. And even before that, how warm they were. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it because it was a very cold day. Congratulations on a fourth place finish. I mean, that almost seems like second nature or second thought compared to your whole experience going through. But, uh, but that's pretty cool. You were able to finish And One of the questions that Anthony and I had, uh, had kind of talked about prior to being able to actually get you on the line here was just, you know, so you go through what, what was the first thing you thought of as you were, as you were going into the water? My first thought in this situation, I had my son with me and all I wanted to do was make sure that he was safe and far enough back. So he didn't come in with me. My yeah. second thought was, is that if I don't get out of here, he's going to be alone. Yep. And that was my second thought after I hit the water. And wow. then going forward, it was just about making sure that he was far enough back that I could, um, self-rescue myself out of the ice and you were was you the, were you were able to, to you said lay flat and I mean, kick yourself out yeah i mean it was it was like wearing a life jacket when you jump out of a boat but it was even better than that because i never with a life jacket you're likely to get your head wet i never went that deep in it never let me get much above my like i said about my belly area it, and i'm a big guy i'm 275 pounds so i was very impressed with that that's awesome. That is awesome. And so the, the uplift float assist technology that you're talking about, Tyler, is, uh, is the float liner that Eskimo puts in all of their float assist winter apparel. And that's the, the keeper suit, the legend suit, the superior suit, and the roughneck suit. They all have that float assist liner. And it's uh, based on what you said, it works. You know, that's the bottom line, right? It's, it's what made the difference for you that day and the ability to get back out of the water. And that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Absolutely. Yes. And mine are the keepers actually. And now I remember that. Got it. That's awesome. That is, uh, what looking back on that, Tyler, what, uh, from that experience, what do you take away from it? Are there lessons you've learned things you've maybe would do different? You know, we all can look at a situation afterwards and say, what would have I done different if I'd have known? Maybe there wasn't anything, but did you did you happen to come away with it with any any lessons or anything that you had for advice for other anglers? Well, honestly, you know, I always have ice picks, right? And half the time I leave them in my sled, which is a foolish mistake because in this situation, the bids helped me greatly. But say the ice was a little bit thinner or instead of where I broke through and found a bad spot, I may not have been able to get out without like some picks, but I definitely would 
carry those. I'm definitely going to carry those every time I'm I'm on the ice now because in that situation, I mean, I feel very safe with the bibs, but I think having the other parts of the safety equipment is is crucial to being able to do it. Um, I want I wouldn't say easier, but definitely faster and safer. And I think it's always better to be over prepared than under prepared. I mean, the old adage is if you if you don't need it, you or how's it go? If you don't have it, you won't need it. If you won't need it, you won't have it type thing. So, I mean, it's one of those things I agree with you. Like sometimes when you're out on the ice and it, you feel like it's safe, you, you maybe take some of that safety equipment off or maybe not necessarily carrying it with you. But I think for the peace of mind and listening to your story, um, I think myself, the listeners, Kyle, I mean, none of us want to be in that situation. And I think it's a good reminder and it's, and it's, I'm glad that there was a good outcome to your story because I think these are the types of reminders that we all need that, you know, whether it's a normal day and conditions seem good or what it can happen to, to anyone at any time. Absolutely. So I got a question for you, Tyler. They always talk, and this, I, I've been fortunate. I've never gone through um, the ice where I've, you know, more than more than my boot getting wet, right? And and they always talk about the fact that when you when you get in water and it's that cold that it just kind of takes your breath away. Is that is that accurate? What was the reaction you had when you went in? <clears throat> the reaction I went in is is um, I was shocked as soon as I, I, I felt it, the, the, basically the ground falling out beneath me, I felt it. I knew I was going in. So I was a little bit prepared for it, but when I hit that water, it was cold. And I mean, cold. Um, it took me a second. I, I, it's hard to tell time when you're in that situation. Um, it took me a few seconds because I did take a big deep breath. Um, but I do think because I didn't fully submerge, it wasn't as severe as it could have been if that makes sense, but it was very cold. It definitely was a shocker. And just to, to be clear, the, the bibs that you were wearing had the float assist, but the jacket, you didn't have a jacket on that had any float assist or anything. No, I had a regular old Johnson jacket on a wool jacket, which of course is the worst thing to get wet in. But I think that's a question we get a lot is, you know, can I buy one piece like the jacket or can I just buy the bibs and will that add that float assist? And, you know, I think from your story, from what, you know, we've been, um, you know, the testing and everything that they've gone through with this type of um, apparel, it's, it goes to show that one piece is enough. You don't need the whole suit necessarily. Is it great? Yeah, I have the whole suit. And if the, you think the bibs are warm, put the jacket on and you'll probably be sweating more than you will um, anything else. But it, it, I think it's, I think it's really important for the listeners to know that, you know, just one piece of clothing um, can really make that difference. It definitely did. It, it, it made me feel buoyant. Like I was able to float. I was, it, it, it didn't take any effort to keep myself above the water. It, it, it was like wearing a life jacket. It was, it was incredible to me. And I was impressed with the bibs. I can't imagine if I had the full suit, it would, I, I mean, I may not even have gone in past my waist. I mean, it, it, but yeah, definitely the bibs. I, I can't say enough about them. I told my friends the story and told them, you know, just exactly what I was using that day. And, and they were quite impressed with that, that just the bibs alone were enough to keep me above water. That's a really impactful story, Tyler. I'm um, just the, the whole experience that you've described and, uh, and, and the peace of mind now going back out onto the ice. And, and by the way, have you been back out on the ice? You, you finished that day. You finished the Derby. Have you, have you continued to be out on the ice after that day? Absolutely. I was a little bit more cautious though. I, um, checked my areas a little better, looked for, um, um, different colored areas, you know, like when it, when ice gets bad you in some, in some areas you can see like a little bit of a grayness to it where like, it looks like there's water underneath it or anything, but I was very more cautious right. about where I went. Um, the rest of that year was, it, I hate to say it, it was a good year, but it was also a bad ice year. Um, I've had a couple friends went through this year and, Thankfully they made it out. Okay. But they went through in shallow water, thankfully. Um, um, but in that day and that in question, you know, more people went through and thankfully everybody made it out, but they went through in shallower water. That's for sure. It's a great point, Tyler, that, um, you don't know, uh, time of the year, 
depth where you might initially test, uh, depth of ice, thickness, and whatnot. You know, those are all good things to do. It's all good to check. It's all good to know ahead of time. But uh, this can happen. This can happen in a blink of an eye and at a moment's notice. I don't, I don't think you can do enough uh, to be prepared. Honestly, uh, checking ice depth, like I checked the ice depth um, all the way when I was setting my tip-ups up and everything, and the ice looked good. I just, I unfortunately found a bad spot, and I think that, that happen. happens. I think that happens more so than people really think. Yep, I would agree with that there, Tyler. We really appreciate you coming on Shack Talk and sharing your story with us. Um, it's a great lesson. It's a great point of interest for everybody who sets foot on the ice, whether you're an avid angler, whether you make it out once or twice a year. It doesn't matter. Safety is important every single time we set our boots out on the ice. And I really appreciate your story. You know, Anthony and, and I uh, um, have been looking forward to hearing it, and I'm glad we were able to work it out to get you on. Um, again, thanks for taking time to join with us. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Folks, stick around. We're going to be right back. We've got one more segment to go on today's Shack Talk. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back. Thanks, everyone, for joining us again for our third and final segment. As we just listened in, we had a pre-recorded interview with Tyler Hansen, and we're really thankful that the outcome of his story was a positive one. His experiences out on the ice and his uh, unfortunate accident last year led to a really great discussion. We're, we're really glad that we were able to have that conversation with him and why we preach ice safety as much as we do. But now as we kind of turn into our third and final segment, this is a new segment for us this year, and we're really excited for it. Everything that's going on these days, we're talking about being safe and, and social distancing. And that's why we kind of came up with the name for our third segment, and it's going to be called social distancing. So we want to make sure that we're talking ice fishing, but we also want to talk about doing it safely and how we can really kind of embrace the fact that ice fishermen have maybe been doing this for longer than anybody else. We know how to be safe out on the ice and, and do it at a distance. So for our guest for our third and final segment, uh, I want to welcome to the podcast our, our really good friend and our industry ex expert, Tony Aloya. Tony, thanks for taking some time to talk with us. Awesome to be here, guys. Awesome to be talking social efficiency. I like it. And uh, yeah, we got ice season right around the corner. Maybe guys are on the ice in some places. So let's 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 rock and roll. It's time to go. It's game time. It is game time. And and Tony, for yeah, you're right. I've seen a few folks walking out. Most of them have been on little sloughs, right, where they can can get out on a couple inches of ice just to just say they've been out there. I don't think many of the the lakes are froze yet, but it isn't going to be long. We're we're right on the cusp. Yeah, yeah, we're, it's we're, it's right. coming. You can feel it in the air, Tony. For our listeners, maybe that uh, don't know who you are, maybe just would you take a minute just to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, and and how you're involved in the industry. Sure. I've been lucky enough to be a part of the industry for well, over 10 years now. It feels weird to say that. And, and in a variety of capacities, both with different manufacturers, with um, running the Fargo Ice Fishing Show, uh, with my partner Mike and that, and, and just being a part of certainly the Eskimo brand for a long, long time. So I feel very fortunate to be able to say that, to be able to say that I've made my living in, in this industry for, for 10 plus years now. And uh, yeah, in, we're in a variety of hats within the industry. And as you say, hats, he's got the Fargo Ice Fishing Show on. Uh, we are a little disappointed that that didn't happen this year. But, you know, with everything that's going on, uh, you know, we had to make the decision there. And I know that it was probably hard for you guys. But, you know, as the, as the ice fishing community does, we'll find different ways to get that information out and talk to our fans and consumers. And we're hoping that, you know, the podcast is just another avenue for that. Yeah, we tried and we tried and we tried till the very last minute until it came down to the wire and they said, you're not going to be able to have more than, you know, 150, 200 people in the venue at all at any time. And that just wasn't even going to cover our vendors. So it is what it is. But now we're looking towards social efficiency and we're looking towards next year's show. But more importantly, we got an ice season ahead of us. We definitely do. We definitely do. And, and I know Kyle and I have talked a lot about it. We talked about it in our intro. You know, that's been a crazy year. Uh, the pandemic has changed the, the landscape. And if you would, maybe just talk a little bit about, I know you see how things have affected things across the industry. And, you know, there's been 
some positives, there's been some negatives, but maybe just talk a little bit about that and how things have changed and kind of where you think things are maybe going. Well, it has. It's been an interesting year, to say the least, on all fronts. But from from a fishing manufacturer standpoint, um, you've got a lot of really interesting dynamics that are playing into what is happening this year. Number one, over here, you've got lots and lots more people fishing. And there's actually some pretty good hard data out there about that. Um, and that's wonderful. That's wonderful for the sport. It's wonderful for the industry. Uh, it just it just raises everything. But you've got more people fishing. You've got more limited supply from the manufacturing standpoint, and and a lot more difficulties in terms of actually manufacturing products and getting them into your warehouse. And then you've got more issues or more challenges when it comes to just getting things on the store shelves because logistics are strained across the country and not just in fishing. I think everybody knows this, but so you've got like the perfect storm uh, of things happening when it comes to, you know, manufacturing, especially in an industry like the fishing industry or ice fishing industry, where, you know, there's a lot of demand because there's not a lot of other things that people are doing now, you know, sports, a lot of sports are canceled, games, activities, everything that people normally do is canceled. So what are they going to do? They're going to go fish. They're going to go hunt. They're going to go spend time at the cabin, outdoors, on the lake. And so so you've got demand and, and it's harder than ever to actually get products on the shelves. And once they get there, with all the extra demand, they're gone. And I think we've all seen this all summer and, and probably will see it a little bit into the ice season. You know, Tony, that's an interesting, an interesting topic because knowing that the workings of the industry is one thing, but I think for, for most of us who are consumers and are out there who go into our, our local and our favorite sporting good retailer, we, we had in, you know, this time of the year, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe it's a couple of weeks from now, and we expect to see ice fishing gear sitting there. We realize that the world has been affected by a pandemic and, and we understand that, but looking at this, the supply chain, like stuff that's sitting on the, the shelf now, when were those orders placed? Was that was that this summer? Was that prior to the pandemic even being a thing? Or, or how did that all fit together? Well, I'll just say this. It, it probably depends company to company a little bit, but I said in an almost three-hour meeting today, here we are in, in you know, during deer season in, in mid-November to get orders placed and forecasts for next ice season already. So that's that's how far this stuff's planned. There's a lot of challenges that go into it. Uh, nobody has a crystal ball. Uh, that would be invaluable to have, but unfortunately nobody has one, especially in 2020. Uh, good luck predicting what's going to happen tomorrow. The crystal <laughs> ball is it. cracked. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the crystal ball got COVID and ended up someplace long gone. But um, yeah, so those products that are on your shelf now were probably ordered that you're looking at now were probably ordered at least nine months ago, probably more like a year, year, year to 14 months ago, just depending on, you know, the type of product. Is it a sewn good? Is it a hard good? What is it? Bait, tackle, rods, reels. But, you know, lead times are longer than they've ever been just because everything's strained, right? There's less, there's less people, there's less people to work in the factories. Companies get delays with COVID, shipping's more strained. So there's just more and more lead time that, that goes into it. So the message here is if you're a consumer, if you're looking at buying a new whatever, auger, fishing, uh, ice rod, a, a shack or any of these things, there's there's no time like today, right? I mean, we like to say, yeah, yeah you can sit around and, and make your decision and you've got time and, and maybe you do. But but for the most part, um, there's a demand on on the product that's out there on those retailer shelves. Yeah, there certainly is. And, and um, you know, it's one of those things where I think consumers, not just in fishing, but especially in fishing all summer have kind of gotten conditioned to it. It's like if you go into a store and you see your favorite lure sitting there and you, you walk by and you're like, oh, and maybe I need one more of those. I'm just going to go ahead and grab it now. Or certainly in hunting, you know, finding the right caliber ammo or, or your favorite ammo that you're looking for. I mean, that's been a problem for a, for a little while now. But, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, there's no time like the present when it comes to, hey, I think I might want that. If you see it, you might want to grab it. And I think, uh, you know, with everything that's going on, there's been, you know, not only the demand from the consumer, but just the demand in the sport. I mean, there's just so much information out there from the retailers, from, you know, the people in the industry. I know we talked a lot about it uh, previously, with just all the resources that you can use. But, you know, if 
people are new to the sport and getting out there, you know, take advantage of that. The retailers are putting out more virtual information, uh, you know, all the different opportunities that are out there. I mean, I know there's virtual shows that pretty much all the retailers and all the different brands and different things going on. Um, you know, as a consumer, those things are obviously really helpful for that new group of people that are getting into the sport. It's interesting that you mentioned that, Anthony, because, um, you know, the ASA, the American Sport Fishing Association, which is the group that puts on ICAST and regarded as the largest industry association that, you know, that that works within the fishing industry, they put out data, I think it was in, in um, maybe early September, and it was data from August, um, and it was based on the entire year, and they went state by state, and they solicited data from the states, and the numbers showed that there were 3 million more people nationwide that bought fishing licenses this year than did last year. Uh, and they said that the, the numbers showed that 20% of those people were first-time buyers, had never, ever bought a license before. So it really is, it, it's fascinating, you know, although certainly nobody wanted to deal with this pandemic. It's, it's a little bit interesting and I, I want to almost say exciting within the fishing industry because it's bringing so many new eyeballs into the sport and so many new people into the sport that become fellow anglers and fellow fishermen just like us. So it, it, that's, that's an unprecedented number. I, I track the data closely. I read all the studies closely. And over the last couple of years, you know, over the last five years, the conversation's been how do we grow our sport? How do we grow the sport of fishing in general, not just ice fishing? And and so to to have almost three million, you know, additional licenses bought and twenty percent of those estimated be new anglers, it's it's unprecedented. It's really it's fascinating actually. Those are yeah, it's crazy to think. And I know that there are people that are out there that bought licenses to fish this summer and you can't tell me that they're going to be coming into this winter being like, Oh, I got this fishing license. I'm not going to use it. So hopefully most of those people are going to get out ice fishing as well. Well, yeah. And if you think about it, I mean, all summer, you know, there's a lot more activities, you know, even in a summer like this, where there's not a lot of activities, you know, you can, you can go for a walk with the family. You can go for a bike ride. I, I guess if you're into tennis or you can play tennis or you can go golfing or you could do whatever you want to do, you know, outside fairly comfortably. Well, when winter comes, that that scope of activities that you have at your fingertips, at least in the northern part of the country, really kind of narrows a little bit. I mean, you can you can do a little bit of skiing, you can do some snowmobiling or you can go ice fishing, you can do some snowshoeing. But, you know, that that big list of activities that you could you could list off really gets narrowed. And really, I would say, um, you know, there's really three or four viable things that you can do on a regular basis. So, yeah, I think a lot of those people are going to um, be utilizing those licenses. And I think we're going to have more people actually buying them as, as winter comes and there's less other things to do. There's going to be another kind of, you know, surge of people that are going to relook at what their options are. Do you think, Tony, long term, and I'm talking more than just this season, but when when things get back to quote unquote normalcy, right? When when we do have people going to sporting events and and concert venues and things like that, do you foresee that that there's going to be a good retention to the sport of ice fishing and maybe the outdoors in general? You, know, I'd like to think so. You know, it's interesting. You know, just there's I don't think there's any hard data on what that looks like yet. But I can tell you from personal experience living in Northwest Wisconsin, um, you know, in and around Lake Country, and 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 being around lakes all summer in some lake towns, it's the traffic was. You kind of looked and you said, "Wow, I've never seen this like that busy before. I've never seen this many vehicles, you know, at the landing." And and I think people were renting cabins and 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 going and and kind of recreating in and around the lake. You'd see lots of pontoons out. So you know, I think a certain number of those people are have kind of just gotten back to basics and and maybe have taken a look around and said, "This is this is pretty nice." Uh, I don't, you know, the hustle and bustle is great, and we've done that for a while. But hey, nothing. Nothing wrong with maybe getting back to nature and and spending a little bit of time on the lake. So I think we will. I think naturally a certain percentage, everybody's different. Everybody's in different situations. You know, how old are your kids? What activities are they in? Things like that. But, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of these people that are going to say, yeah, I don't know why we ever got away from this, but 
we should probably stick with this. This is pretty nice. So yeah, I, I do think some of those trends are actually going to stick and, and, and those people are going to stick around. What do you think? You know, I, I'm in agreement. I, I think there's going to be a, a, a percentage, of course, that'll go back because maybe they favored some of those other things. But gosh, when you get someone out on the ice and you, you get them out there and have them yeah. experience the fun of it, and Anthony and I were talking in the uh, opening segment just a little bit about the the beauty of ice fishing. You can do it now, and it's it's you can do it safely. You can distance, right? Distance yep. socially. You can you can set your shacks up within earshot of one another. You can still have a conversation. You can have some laughs out on the ice, and people will get a taste of the real ice fishing experience when you're doing that because. Let's face it, for all of us, and I think for most of the people listening, there is the the passion and pursuit of of catching the fish. But ice fishing is unique in its makeup and and why people are attracted to it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it is social. And and you can go do it with buddies and friends. And maybe it's a a little different now, but in the future, they're still going to be able to continue to go out and have those great times. Yeah. And you can get the kids out of the house and, and, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but you can, you can position shelters close enough where you're at a safe distance yet you're out there with friends and it kind of feels like normal. And the nice thing about fishing is you could ice fishing, especially you can almost spend as little or as much as you want to get in it and still effectively fish. You can go with the top of the line equipment and certainly wrap up a lot of dollars in it, or you can keep it pretty simple with a hand auger some basic rods, a bucket, a scoop, some minnows, and you're fishing. Away you go. You're you're in the game right there, and then it's wherever you want to take it from that point on. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Anthony, what do you think? And I would encourage people to, I mean, if you're looking to get started, I mean, reach out to somebody that does it. I mean, you got to know somebody that goes out ice fishing, just be like, Hey, I want to, you know, get my kids out fishing. You know, I don't really have the gear. Can I meet you at the lake? And, you know, maybe we'll divvy up a couple rods. Can you punch me a couple holes and, you know, pick a nice day. I mean, if you're introducing people to the sport, don't take them out there when it's cold and blowing. I mean, take them out when it's nice out, pick a nice day and, and introduce them, give them that good experience. Hopefully you catch some fish. If not, you know, the kids I'm sure will be making snow angels and snowmen and throwing and snowballs um, you know that's all part of the fun but you know if you're looking to get into this sport i'd encourage people just to reach out find somebody that ice fishes if if you don't know somebody i mean like kyle and i have said before reach out to us we'll we'll point you in the right direction i mean we can we'll find somebody to get you out ice fishing yeah most ice fishermen we know have an extra five ten or more rods sitting around that yeah you can borrow these and take this i mean i I think we could all, you know, on this conversation here, outfit plenty of uh, new ice anglers just on extra stuff that's that's uh, sitting in the garage. And, and you know, the interesting thing is at the very least, even if you don't catch a bunch of fish, take a football out, let the kids run around a frozen lake for the day and burn off some energy before you, before you get back home. It's, it's a nice way to help pass winter. And hopefully I, the goal for me anyway is, you know, to put some put some meat in the in the fridge and, and have a nice meal. You know, one of the one of the other perspectives, guys, is the the um, the fact that people are more reluctant to travel, right? And so instead of taking their family down to Florida or Mexico or or wherever it might be for a warm destination, maybe they take that pot of money and they go out and buy a, a hard side fish house and say, "Yeah, we're going to spend a couple of weekends out on the ice." Or maybe they buy a portable and an auger and and have the same thought in mind. I think we're going to see a little bit of that shift as well. And and looking at what defines a vacation and a getaway given our current environment. And of course, again, once people get into it, they're gonna they're gonna find the joy in it and continue that in the future. Yeah, I agree. And I can tell you that you know different brands. I mean, we're looking at it as new ways to market because it's not always just the expert. You know, that same survey that the ASA did, it showed that 80% of all anglers consider themselves beginner to intermediate. And, and, and I think with all the new people coming in, I think companies are realizing that it's important to educate and, and reach out in different ways. And I think you're seeing that, you know, YouTube is a great resource. Podcasts like this are a great resource. There's so much information out there that you can absorb for free to just learn how to where to get started and, and how to be safe on the ice and all those things. So, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of an exciting year coming up. 
Hey, Tony, now, just before we wrap up, I got a couple of questions for you. Just on a just on a personal side of things, um, the two I'm thinking of, number one, where is your first ice destination going to be this year? And then secondly, what are you looking forward to most here this ice season? So my first ice destination, there's a six-lake chain uh, just, you know, 40 minutes north of me that I haven't explored much as much as I wanted to. So I think that's going to be a chain that I'm going to explore. I talked to some friends over that way. It's a great panfish chain. It freezes early. So that's going to be my, that's going to be my go-to. It's called the Shitek chain of lakes. Uh, I haven't spent much time on it, but I plan on spending significant time on it this winter. And I think that's an interesting thing. As of right now, the borders are still closed. So, you know, uh, I I think fishing local is going to be more of a more of a popular uh, you know thing to be doing this year, and that's kind of fun too, just to get back to the lakes that you always used to fish and you knew like the back of your hand, and then oh, maybe you kind of forgot about those. So that's where that'll be my first destination, and then. Uh, your second question was, what am I looking forward to most this year? Yeah, season wide, just what's what's your your thing you're looking forward to most? I think it's just kind of getting back out to the outdoors. Now, you and Anthony know my wife and I had twins this year, so yes. they're you know seven months old right now. So this summer has been it hasn't been a lot of fishing for me. It's been all hands on deck getting the twins figured out. Uh, and, and helping my wife with them. In fact, it was bath time right before this podcast. So, you know, there's a lot that's been going on there. And for me, it's going to be just, they're getting a little older now. And I think it's going to be just getting out outside, spending some time with my dad, spending some time, you know, carefully with friends um, and just, you know, just making sure that we're out there doing it in a, in a safe, socially distanced way, but like getting out and enjoying winter deer season was good harvested a deer now i'm starting to look at ice and just uh you know getting back to some sort of normal i i I really think for for me anyway because you can socially distance uh, on the ice and you can be safe or you can distance socially right with your with your with your social group that you're comfortable with ice fishing to me is going to bring a sense of normalcy uh in a world that was odd because i don't need that has been odd this year i don't need I don't need any businesses open other than the bait shop for me to go out and fish. So I can do my thing, go to the lake. And I think for, I think it's going to feel like in, in this world of 2020, the first little inkling of, okay, this feels normal again. I'm out on the lake. I'm doing what I like to do. I'm chasing the fish down and, oh yeah, that's right. There's a lot of weird stuff going on in this 2020 world, but while I'm out here, it's kind of normal. Definitely. I think that's what we're all looking forward to. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a whirlwind season, I'm sure with everything going on, but getting that normal, getting back out on the ice. I know I'm itching like you, I, I got a nice deer, so I've got that out of my mind and can focus on ice fishing, getting gear ready. And, and like you said, hopefully it's a, not a, not a too long of a period before we're waiting to get out on the ice and, and have some fun. So Kyle, uh, Anything else that you, you wanted to? What about you guys? I answered. What are you guys looking forward to? Anthony, you kind of answered. What about you, Kyle? You know what? I'm looking forward to getting out on the ice with family, spending yep. some time with my son, with my son-in-law. You know, last year, uh, my wife and I rented a, a hard-sided house. I, I've pretty much my whole life, I've been a, a portable guy, you know, and and just the freedom that that brings, I think, is is something that that's always fit my style. But be honest, I got a taste of spending a, a, a couple of days in a hard-sided house and, and my wife loved it because she could come along and, and just sit there in her slipper. She could still fish, but she could also kick back and read a book and I could go out and drill a few holes outside. I'm looking forward to doing that again. I think that's going to be a highlight of the season. I've seen that a little bit. So so hard-sided, certainly, that that's an exciting area. And I think I've started, I've seen people just talking online in general this year about just camping out on the ice. I think people are going to be making a little bit of a weekend. It's, it's a way to get out of the house and do it safely. Whether you're in a nice hard side of, like you said, renting one for those who are listening to this, who haven't done that, that's, that's kind of a fun getaway that you can safely do this winter. And, and just, you know, or people we see, we're seeing a trend in, in big pop-up shelters being purchased. And I'm seeing people post online about putting, you know, just ways to heat them for the weekend. And, and it's just, it's, I think everybody's getting a little outside the box and getting excited about the season. So I agree. Anthony, what about you? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm really, you know, first destination for me is probably going to be one of those early ice haunts, uh, northern ends of Devil's Lake or Red Lake, maybe whichever one freezes over first. Hopefully I can get out there. I know the Fish Addictions crew and Mike, we're all going to be chomping at the bit to get out there. So hopefully exactly first ice. where you're going to be. I yeah, be. hopefully first ice is one of those destinations. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to, like Tony said, getting back to a little bit of normalcy. You know, the Fish Addictions crew, we kind of had a, a, a weird summer where we weren't really getting together as much. And, you know, we'll probably do things a little bit differently, uh, you know, making sure that everybody's safe. And, you know, luckily, a few of us are able to, to work from home and different things so we can quarantine before we get together. But looking forward to getting back on the ice with those guys and, and having some fun recording some TV shows some TV uh, episodes for the fans and the viewers, um, you know, sharing that passion with everyone. Uh, like Tony mentioned, there's a lot of information out there and we're, we're really glad to be able to share some of that with everyone as well. So, I mean, that's, I'm really looking forward to getting back out on the ice. But so, I mean, that's kind of a little bit of a wrap up, um, you know, Tony, again, thanks for joining us. Um, for anybody that wants to reach out to you or has any questions, um, how can they contact you? Uh, you know, either on social media or email is fine too. Um, 32 Degrees Outdoors is my website for my company. So certainly all the contact information is on there. Again, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Tony, for joining us. Um, we got to thank Eskimo for, for sponsoring the podcast. They, uh, without them, we wouldn't be able to share this with you guys, share Tony's story, uh, being able to share some information from uh, Kyle and myself. So thank you for that. Thank you everybody for listening. Be safe, um, distance socially and uh, get out ice fishing. And until then, we'll, uh, we'll see you in the next episode. 